Last week, I started the series called Kingdom Living, and it's life as it was meant to be lived, or a better way to probably describe that is life that the way it should be lived. Um, and Jesus comes, and he does this to a whole bunch of people, which we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so what I'm going to be doing over the next, uh, I don't know how to, I'm going to say I, there's, there's a bunch of people that I'm pretty sure we'll share on the topic, but what we are going to be doing, and predominantly myself, is we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, which is the Sermon on the Mount, or what starts off as the Beatitudes as it's known. And we're going to exposit it. We're going to look at it. Jesus' first sermon. Yes, he had taught in the synagogues, as you'll hear in the text now. But this was the first time that he stood up and he started to proclaim the gospel, as it were, in its, in its finer, detailed sense. And uh, last week I shared about Dallas Willard, who's got a book called Divine Conspiracy. And uh, try that again. Is it working, Ray? The fact that he starts off by saying that there's this um, uh, fighter pilot in the U.S. who went out on, and they were doing all these evasive maneuvers, and the, the fighter pilot pulled back down on the lever to kind of go up into the sky and flew straight back into the ground. And part of that problem is, is that the reason why that fighter pilot did that was because they were flying upside down. And many of us are living our lives upside down and flying upside down, and we wonder why the decisions that we make and the lives that we lead, we keep flying into the ground. We keep crashing on multiple levels, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, or whether it's decisions around work, business, whatever the, the case might be. And so part of the problem is, is most times we don't even know that we're flying upside down. And we keep pulling the lever and we keep crashing into the ground. And God's called us to live flying right side up. And it's, about, it's really just a, a metaphor or a depiction about our views of reality. And uh, I asked this question, how can it be off the bat of what I shared just before I started preaching. How can it be that South Africa statistically is known as a nation that is 70% Christian, and yet we live with the social and economic injustices that we have in our country? How can it be? I'm not being political right now. How can it be? Lord Jesus, how can it be that I've been so unaware of the plight of the poor in my country? 30Ks down the road, 5Ks down the road. Why is it that there are so many church splits in South Africa? Why is it that we can't honor those who robe their Christianity differently that meet down the road today? Why is it always about my way and the or when actually there is an and? Now, I'm not talking about cults. <laughs> I'm talking about Christians that just robe their Christianity differently, maybe more conservatively, maybe more expressively, and now we point fingers at them and we don't honor them, but we serve the same God. Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who crashed in on Project Planet Earth to bring about the changes. So what Jesus is doing in the context of this is he's inviting us. And as I said last week, there's a, there's a misunderstanding of what that call is. It is not repent, sort your lives out, otherwise you're not welcome. Angry God. No, it's, ladies and gents, change the way you think. Ch change your mindsets. There's another way to live. I'm inviting you into this kingdom where the God of this world, the creator of this universe is inviting you into his space so that you can live differently, that you don't live your life upside down and that you keep crashing into the ground. Come into my kingdom. My way, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Come in. I'm giving you a place to come in. And what I said was when we do that and the kingdom of God invades our space, we become these portals of light. Many came and shared last week as she came and saw us praying. She saw these shafts of light, and I couldn't believe it because I had this picture up. And, and it is, is, as we come, and I'm gonna, I can't wait to share on salt and light, which is one of the sermons in a little while time, but 
I know I've preached on it before, but there's just more and more to it. And we become these lights and we start to shine and we have these portals of the kingdom that start to come out. And people are in darkness and they, you come alongside them and they start to see the truth and they start to walk in God's way. This other way of life that Jesus is portraying and depicting in this context. Now, I, I know it's Mother's Day. People say, well, why aren't you giving a Mother's Day message? I used to do that. When we first planted the church, I used to give a Mother's Day message. But what I found is that truth is truth. At the same time, I, I'm going I'm to encourage moms and I'm, I'm going to point out things within the context of the sermon that are for moms. And God is wanting to speak to moms because, yes, it's a humanistic day, but it's also about a day where we stop and we honor our moms and we honor the mothers around us and what they are doing. So in some ways, I, I said to Louise this morning, because she was asking some of the stuff, where we're going, and she's obviously leading the meeting this morning, is I said it's like if you've watched, um, you know, like Lord of the Rings or you've watched any kind of trilogy series that you see on the movies, what happens is the first movie comes and it's epic. It's like, wow, gee, whatever. And then the second one comes and you go watch and you go, oh, nothing really happened. That's going to be like a morning this morning. You're going to go, oh, Gary didn't really go anywhere than where he was last week. Because actually what happens is I'm setting up for the final chapter that when I start to actually go into it, you'll realize why we needed part two. And so there's no big... You know, thunder, lightning, very, very frightening this morning. And, uh, but I ask you to hold on to these truths because we're going to build into them as we move into the future. So turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 4 and verse 23 because we, we're still looking as we're coming into the Beatitudes. And uh, like I said, Jesus is on the, on the mountainside. Well, let's, let's go for it. Jesus went through Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, pro- proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Notice that. Every. That thing blows my mind. Every, every disease, every sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, those who were paralyzed, and he healed them. Amazing. So Jesus is coming, not just proclaiming the kingdom, but demonstrating it. When Jesus is around and the kingdom is around, Sickness and disease falls off people. People who are possessed by darkness, by the other kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, it falls off them. And, and I loved what Dale said this morning, where he said we, that we're all broken in some form or another. And there is a call this morning that we come to God and we say, God, here is my brokenness. Because when we don't come to Jesus and we don't go, oh, here's my brokenness. Or possibly you're one of those people saying, I am so broken, God would not want me. All of you have had, I remember a... My dad bought me this go-kart, and I, I love this go-kart my, for Scott and myself. And uh, there were some neighbors who were older. They were teenagers. They drove this go-kart, which they were a bit too big for it, and they broke the, the, the turning mechanism up front. And the problem was you, you couldn't use it anymore. It was broken. It was useless. And we often feel like that go-karts, that you can't drive it. You can't do it because God can't accept me because you don't know what I've done. You don't know the life that I've led, the sin that I've perpetrated, and actually I, I, I am unacceptable to God. Maybe you're one of those, but what happens here is when maybe your friend brought you here this morning, maybe you came here this morning going, oh, another church meeting. But God is wanting to meet with you, and He wants to deal with your brokenness. He wants to come and heal maybe your sickness and your disease. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, but I've prayed a hundred times. Pray one more time. Keep praying about this. Maybe you're feeling dejected. Maybe emotionally you're struggling. Maybe you're under financial pressure and you're going, God, I need you to break in. Come with that brokenness and come and give it to God here this morning. He wants to deal with it. He wants to come and be part 
of the solution in what you're doing. Now the question is, is as about Jesus is about to embark on this first inaugural sermon to the people, who are the people that he's speaking to? Like if I'm preaching here this morning, I would say, hey, I'm preaching to Dale. And I know, I know part of what, what Dale's life is. I'm preaching to Richard because I know part of his life. I'm preaching to Nick's, whose brother's birthday is today, but he's not here anymore. His mom is no longer here. He's a brokenness. Who are the people that Jesus is speaking to? Why don't you give me the next slide, please? This thing's not working. So here's the crowds. It says, the large crowds from Galilee, Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across the Jordan followed him. So what we have is we've got a multicultural, multidiverse crowd that is starting to follow him, that is gathering, and Jesus starts to see. So the thing is, is we read that and we go, oh, it's just a whole bunch of people. But no, the people from Galilee were these religious guys, like really religious oaks. They were the oaks that were in church all the time. They didn't miss church. They were in the synagogues. They were the ones that read their Bibles all the time. They were the ones that followed the laws of God. They were the ones that were, hey, this is the way you do it. Part of the challenge there was that those religious people, they believed that you were only holy if you were rich, wealthy, and healthy. If you were the ones that followed the laws of God and you did all of what you were doing, you were holy. And in fact, to associate yourself with people who were poor meant that you were unholy. Those who had blemishes on their skins, you had to... Women who went through that particular time of month that you go through, they had to leave because you couldn't associate with them. Imagine that in our homes if we said, oh, Louise, it's that time of month. Can you go leave and come back when you're finished? Probably not a bad idea. Probably not a bad idea. I, I, I could. Maybe we can, no, just leave it, just leave it, just leave it, move on, move on. Yeah, move it on. The people from Decapolis, those were the non-religious people. Those were the Romans and the Greeks. So on the one hand, you had the left-wing side, which is the religious people. Now you, sorry, the right-wing side. Now you've got the left-wing, the liberals, the people who aren't that religious. Those those who have now come in and want to hear Jesus. And this man has grabbed their attention as he's taught and as he's gone about healing people. You've got city people. And you know that city people are way different from the Judean people who are the, 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 the rural people. When people grow up out there in, in the sticks, they're very different from those who, who grow up in a concrete jungle. And lastly, there's those from across the Jordan, the foreigners. Those who didn't know too much about what was going on, but have heard about this man and they start coming. So all walks of life, all backgrounds are coming to come and hear what Jesus has to say. And so verse 1 of chapter 5, we finally hit Matthew chapter 5 after a week and a bit. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to preach. Now notice, there are the crowds, those who are kind of just interested, and there are the disciples. But he starts to teach his disciples. So there might be crowds. Maybe you don't believe in Jesus here this morning. Maybe even Jesus is, well, uh, sort of, I mean kind of see my parents do that. I kind of see other people talk about Jesus. And I've come to church this morning. And, yeah, seems like a good guy. You're not a disciple of Jesus because that word matheteos in Greek means an apprentice, somebody who is a learner, somebody who's wanting to understand who Jesus is and learn from him and do what he did. That's okay because he's calling you in and the invitation is come and be my apprentice. But the point that I'm trying to make is he's talking to those who are following him, those who have chosen to follow him. And we need to understand that because when we put on the lenses, when we start to look at the Sermon on the Mount, we need to put on those lenses as to who he's talking to. 
Actually, see my notes way better with them on. I am being serious. Now, they followed him because he was the new rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. And in those days, what you had was, because of what Jesus was doing, he had what they called this thing called shamika. Shamika was authority. You know, there are times when you can go listen to somebody preach the word of God and you go, huh. Then somebody else stands up and preaches the God and you go, wow. There's a, hopefully I'm the second. Hopefully. But I'm pretty sure at times I'm, I'm way the first. But the point is, is, there's an authority that comes when somebody starts to unfold the scriptures. There's somebody who sits down and starts to teach and you go, wow. There's, there's a shamika around them. There's, a, there's something about them that you, you go, they've got authority, that they understand. And when they speak, there's an anointing over what they do. And at Jesus' time, there, was, uh, there were two particular guys. One was called Halal and the other one was called Shammai. And they were these amazing rabbis who had the shamika. Both of which had died when Jesus was about a teenager, years. And so the people of, of, of the, the Jewish nation, the, the, Israel, the nation of Israel, are looking for another rabbi with Shamika. And of course, Jesus starts to rise up, starts to teach in the synagogue, starts to portray and demonstrate the kingdom of God. And people are healed and demons are cast out. And he's going, oh, my word. Oh, my word. Here is somebody who has Shamika. Remember in the scriptures, who is this that does this with such authority? And so they're all coming to hear what Jesus is saying. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Because remember, the whole yoke of a rabbi was the, his teaching. And many of the questions that are asked of Jesus is to try and sort out the problems between Hillel and Shammai. Because they had a way of life that they would come and teach their learners, their apprentices, their disciples. And some of those varied quite significantly. So a lot of the questions throughout the New Testament that, that the scribes and Pharisees come and ask, or to try and get to understand the differences and who was right and which is the way to live. And Jesus does this in the context of the sermon. So, you've probably heard the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount many times. I have. In bits and pieces, maybe overall. And you're trying to, maybe you've got an understanding. But the problem is you've been so conditioned that many of you have, and I'm asking you, can you take off whatever lenses you've got on right now? Not that I'm the one who knows all the truth around this particular test, not by any long shot, but take off your lenses and put on some new lenses and let's start to look at what Jesus is saying and let us get an understanding of what the sermon is and how it goes about. What we, I don't know, I never knew this, but his, this particular sermon was so subversive and so controversial to the people that he was preaching to. We just think, oh, he just came and preached it. But when we start, and I'm going to unpack it in a moment, you will start to see how he comes in and he breaks open and he breaks through into some of these things, which in our day would be like, and I'm going to try and almost put it into our day because you're going to be offended. There were a lot of offended people from this particular text. So, right up front, he's going to start with something. You know what it's like. If, if you walk into a room or if you meet a new person or if you go into a context, the trajectory that you start off with is often where you land up. Often when you don't like somebody, the chances of you ever liking them are quite limited because you've decided, I don't like this person. Or, or possibly you've, you've got a mindset in your mind, but this is what this means, and so I'm walking this way. And so part of the, what Jesus does is he sets up, right away you're going to see, he sets up a trajectory that everyone goes, what? Later on in the sermon, he goes, you, you, 
don't think that I came to abolish the law. And the reason why he's saying that is because of the way he starts. Because he's gonna, he realizes that people are coming to a place of understanding of what's going down. So, let's go for it. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 2. If you've got your Bibles, let's go. So he says to the, all the people, to the Christ, to his disciples, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they are comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets, because... In the same way, they persecuted the prophets who came before you. Again, what's important is, like my, my preach right now, is, it's not like the first part is compartmentalized and then there's another part. We need to understand the whole sermon. That's why it's going to take us some time to get through because we need to look at the whole and not just go, oh, okay, here's a little part and here's a little part. These are not proverbs where Jesus kind of gives a proverb and you go, oh, that's amazing. There's a whole context, and all of this fits together. And he starts off by saying, you bunch of losers, you are blessed. I mean, imagine if I started a sermon like that. You bunch of rotten, dirty losers, you are blessed. Why would he do that? And then he lists all of these undesirables, because I've already told you that what happens is, is that... <laughs> We try and stomach it and we try and answer the questions around what Jesus is saying here. Blessed are the poor in spirit. It sounds so good. But I'm going to unpack and show you that it does. It's not good at all. But what he's saying is, is all of you guys who thought that this is the way that you live your life. You're wealthy, healthy, and everything's going well. You've got power. You're the, you're the, you're the manner of the day. You're the woman of the day. Everyone looks towards you and respects you because you're the thing. And actually, you don't associate with those people who've got nothing. And he comes in and he says, blessed are the ones who have nothing. So let's unpack exactly what he's trying to say here. Because if you can give me the next slide. That word, poor, the Greek word there is patoikoi. And it's got the, it sounds the way that it is. It's patoikoi. The poor were the people you spat on. The poor were the people that you walked over on your way to church. The poor were the ones you didn't associate with. Because why? Because... They were the ones in abject poverty. They were the ones who were destitute. They were the ones who were losers. They were miserable. They were the ones that were the misfits of society. So let's add the word spirit in there. And it's those who are spiritually incompetent, those who are spiritually nothings or zeros, those who are spiritually bankrupt and deficient. But the way that it all set up is, well, you're only welcome here if you look a certain way, if you do a certain thing, if your bank balance has a certain amount, if you've got some form of standing in community. Otherwise, you are not regarded as holy. You're not regarded as welcome. You're not, you are not able to enter into the kingdom of God because you are unworthy. How many of us feel unworthy and put that on ourselves? And how many of us have been made to feel unworthy because maybe we have the wrong skin color? Maybe we speak the wrong language. Maybe we've got the wrong job. 
I think, if we're honest, too many of us. Here's a Jewish prayer, part of a Jewish prayer that they would pray twice a day. (laughs) Blessed be the Lord God that he did not make me a Gentile dog, nor a boor, a slave, or a peasant, and nor a woman. (laughs) Twice a day, the Jewish men used to pray that. Oh, my goodness. And we wonder why we have sexism in our world today. And, And before we want to blame the Jewish man, let's have a look at what the Greek man used to pray. Thanks be to God that I was born a human being and not a beast, a man, not a woman, a Greek and not a barbarian. No difference really, is there? Now, I'm important because see, I was born into this heritage. I've got a white skin, and so I'm more important than a black man is. And actually, let, let me now use the scriptures and manipulate the scriptures so that I can make sure that that black man serves me for the rest of my life because he's a descendant of Ham. So let me actually bring that through the church and let's divide people in the context of the church because that way we have a religious understanding of how this should be and we are right. And we stand with our puffed up egos as to how we can live out our lives and actually look down on people. Patoikoi. Quiet. What Jesus says though, in the context of all of this, and speaking about the losers and those who are, not, are, are, are the ones who are the misfits of society, he is saying, blessed are you. Blessed are you. Why? Because God loves you as much as those you have. Those who are the downtrodden, those who are in a sense the lowest of lows, in the context of our understanding as humanity, blessed are you, and I value you as much as I value that other person. It doesn't mean that because you're wealthy, you're not loved, <laughs> that you're not blessed, that you're not all of those things. But hey, guys, open up your eyes. Everybody in my kingdom, every human being, I, I want to raise the bar of what I understand, what that value means. Because when I understand the value of humanity and the way God values us as human beings on the same level, no longer Greek, no longer Jew, no longer female, no longer male, all of those kind of things, no longer slave, no longer free, when I elevate it to the level that it should be, Then all the other stuff that follows, don't murder, don't hate, don't divorce, don't do... Actually, that all filters down through my understanding of my value of humanity. And if God values humanity, then all of that other stuff is actually relatively simple to follow. So let me tell you what the Beatitudes are not. The Beatitudes are not imperatives or commands. He's not saying, listen, Richard, you need to be really poor because that's fantastic. And... um, you know, in order to be blessed, Nikki, I want you to make sure that you are poor in spirit because then God's blessing will flow to you. He's not saying that. Many people try and live out their lives like that and they get it wrong and they misinterpret what the text is saying. But if we do that, what we do is we take one form of legalism and we replace it with another. And in fact, this other form of legalism is way worse than that because it's subversive. You're not poor in spirit. You're not selling all your goods and going to live in Hillbrow. What's wrong with you? And out of guilt, we start to do things because, no, but that's what the Sermon on the Mount is talking about. That's what the Beatitudes are talking about. The other thing it's not is these are not a list of virtues. Now, I mean, there are some virtues there because obviously to be merciful, to be a peacemaker is clearly a virtue that God wants to instill within us. But in the context of of the first century, they would never have understood that this was a list of virtues that they had. And so... He's trying to say to them, it's not about, well, this is what you need to be in order to be blessed. So 
you know, you're not just blessed if you're rich and you're happy and you've got everything, but you can be blessed when you don't have those things. And if we try and make it a list of virtues, we totally over-spiritualize what Jesus is trying to say in the context in which he's preaching. And we get it all wrong and we start to just break things. And the point is, is what Jesus is saying to us is, for goodness sake, this kingdom is available to all. Whether you are a prostitute, whether you are a corrupt CEO, whether you're an abusive parent, whether you are a sexual offender, whether you are part of ISIS, whether you are Osama bin Laden, whether you are Hitler. And now all of a sudden, I go, huh, Gary, whoa, whoa, no, sure, it's not available to those guys. That guy just killed that young lady and burnt her. It's available to him. No, no, come on. Come on. It's not available to him. Hitler, how many people did he murder? How many people were murdered as a result of him? That's available to him. ISIS, chopping off heads of Christians. It's available to them. Gary, I think, I think you've worded that wrong. I think you, you've gone a step too far here. You see, if you get anything this morning, is that the blessing is not found in your condition. Where is it found? It's found in God's condition and God's value of you in his kingdom, under his rule and reign. A past cannot determine. It's God who determines. It's God who loves. And all we simply need to do is trust in this invitation of Jesus, don't we? We don't trust him. I'm going to get onto that in a moment. So regardless of our... Now, what happens is, is, you can imagine the scribes and Pharisees, the religious people from Galilee sitting there, and Jesus says, no, blessed are the ones that you've never blessed. Why do you think they said, oh, he just, he goes and spends time with sinners, man. What's wrong with him? He's a wine-bibber. You guys are following an oak who is a sinful man. He's, he's doing all the stuff that the law says he mustn't do. And I'm going to get into that. You've probably heard that you've got the Ten Commandments, you've got 613 laws in the context of the Torah, but do you know that you've got, I think it's 1,400 other laws that the scribes and Pharisees put in place? It's a lot of things to follow. Jesus is not doing these things, so therefore, and I'll get into that. So let's look at what this word blessing is. It's, called, it's a word called makarios. And what it means, it's, it's blessing, or God is moving, or God's saving, gracious, present reality that is within us. So the way that the Beatitudes got its name was a translator called Jerome. What he did was, the Latin word for makarios is beatus. And so that's why we have the word, the Beatitudes. I mean, Jesus didn't call it the Beatitudes. Hey, I'm about to embark on the Beatitudes, guys. So, and we can even rap to it. <laughs> what is that? Kits and dogs and kits and dogs. Oh, whatever. All right. I'm clearly not a rapper. It's dogs and cats, eh? Oh, boots and cats. You know that, eh? Anybody can be a rapper, eh? Boots and cats and boots and cats and... Okay. It's gone over your heads. Whatever. The point is, is that our English word blessed kind of, hey, be blessed, uh, blessing on you. It's kind of lost its traction, hasn't it? it? It's lost its meaning. And the problem is the English word doesn't fully kind of put this into play as the way that it should be. And the, like I've got up there, it's a lot closer to the word salvation in the context of our English language than any other depiction. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 12 and let's look at where blessed first came into the context of where God says, hey, I want to bless and who is it? But it's a man called Abram, who becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. And it says, the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. We all go, yes. I will bless you. Yes. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. So here's the whole thing. Think about the context of which Abram is in. The Tower of Babel has just happened. Sin is abounding. The people have been scattered. Everyone's fighting. They don't, no one likes each other. We've got ethnicity starting up. We've got different languages. And God calls a man called Abram, Abram, who becomes Abraham, the father of many nations, to come and be a blessing. Now remember what happens. Abraham has Isaac, who has Jacob. Jacob becomes Israel. So the, the Israeli nation comes from Jacob. The point was for the blessing upon them was not just simply to be blessed. Hey, I'm blessed. Hey, God's blessed me with this and blessing you. No, it's I am blessed so that I can be a blessing. And what Jesus is saying, you, you Pharisees and Sadducees, you, these words I want to say and I can't. What do you think you're doing? You are supposed to take the blessing that I've given you and bless others. And what you've done is you've just become parochial and you've kept it to yourself. We are the Jewish nation. We are blessed because we have all of this. And didn't come and bless those who were impoverished. Lift up those who needed to be lifted up. To be a blessing to the nation that God had always spoken of. And that's why Jesus in this moment, he is saying, and I am coming now to change that back to the original intention. And I am blessing you through what I'm telling you. When the kingdom of God comes, blessed is the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are the destitute. Blessed are those who are not good enough. Blessed are the ones who are impoverished. And they go, what? He's flipping it upside down. He's saying, you guys have been flying upside down for way too long. I'm coming to flip you up so that you fly the right, way, the right way up. Now remember what happens, and you can go to the next slide, is that, remember Joseph lands up, Jacob's son, yeah, Jacob's son lands up in uh, Egypt, and then the whole of the Israeli nation land up in the context of Egypt. And we all know that what happens is, is the oppressors come and they oppress them and they have to build the pyramids and all those good things, or well, not so good things. And there comes a point that God has to raise up a deliverer to deliver them from the oppressor. And, and look at those amazing parallels in terms of Moses and Jesus. Moses goes up a mountain and gets the Ten Commandments. Jesus goes up the mountain and preaches the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, the Ten Blessings. Moses speaks over the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus speaks over his 12 disciples who finally get sent out after his death and resurrection. Jesus came out of the desert just like Moses did. Jesus was in the desert 40 days fasting. Moses delivered the people. Oh, yes, God did, clearly. But Moses was the one who delivered the people from the oppressors of Egypt. Jesus ultimately deals us or delivers us from the oppressors of Satan, sin, and death. And there's so many more that I could go into. But this is a process where what Jesus is saying is, here was how the law was set up. Now I'm going to show you how to live it out. Not as the way you've understood it. Let's become parochial. Let's enjoy our blessing and not bless anybody else. But this is the way that you live out your life and that you understand the dignity of humanity and the value of humanity that I'm giving you. The thing in Hebrew, blessing has two meanings. We've got our Hebrew scholar sitting in the second row here. But Baruch means to bless from God to you. Or it could be from me to God. But there's another word called Ashri, which means Happiness as a result of good decisions. So Psalm 1 says, Blessed or happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners 
And we know the text around that. So it's blessed about those who choose not to do these things, but who delights, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. So Ashri is a, a happiness, a contentment, a fortunateness, a, a feeling of, sure, rejoicing, and it comes as a result of good decisions. Here's the thing is, we often think, I don't know about you, but most times when I'm speaking to somebody who's not a follower of Jesus, they go, yeah, but if, if I follow Jesus, I have to give up stuff. Life's not going to be so good anymore. And what Jesus is wanting to do here is he's trying to say, guys, this is the best way to live. You think by all of those things, you're going to have to give up those things. Why don't you forget about those things? Come and follow me, and you'll see that those things will just become less and less important to you as I become more and more important to you. I'm never surprised, and, and maybe surprised, maybe heartached. Throughout my Christian walk, I've seen men and women leave the church and, and stop following Jesus. And when I see them years later, their lives are a mess. They're bitter, unrepentant. They're just going for it. They don't enjoy life. Everybody's a problem. They're a victim. Nine out of ten of them. Even those who've left communities and no longer go to church. I'm not saying it's about church. It's about Jesus. But Jesus' way is through the church. It's not an easy place. Why? Because we rub, don't we? But we don't choose family, do we? Scott didn't choose me. Sorry for him. But hopefully there's a rub that's a righteous rub that when I get called out on the things that I don't do well and don't do right, I move towards being more Christ-like. I don't just choose the people that are the same as me and don't call me out on things. That's why this community is important. There's one thing, and I'm going to say it again throughout this series. For those who are going to come to the looking in, I want to guarantee you two things. Seriously, guarantee you two things. On one level, it might sound funny, but it's not funny. I will sin against you. Number one, I will sin against you. There are men and women in this auditorium that know that. I've sinned against them. But the other thing that I can promise you is if you call me out, I promise you I will repent. quiet again. So Jesus starts off, blessed, ashry, happy, fortunate are those who make right decisions and follow after me. You know, I was watching hockey yesterday with Grant and Lee. Chloe on the, was, was in the team. Jenna was in the team. And uh, both, of, both Jenna and Chloe have made the first team at, at Kings, which is amazing. They're only in grade eight. And, um, and they both play, for me, I think the grade eights played better than the matrix, but it's my personal <laughs> point of view. But, but the, we're watching this, and it's a, it's a team that's really just been put together, and they're really struggling to they do some amazing things, but it's like one great pass, maybe two great passes, and then, oh, it kind of falls apart. And I'm standing next to one of the other dads uh, who, whose daughter's also in, in grade eight, and, and he said to me, I just wish they could string like three or good things together, three or four things, because if they string three or four things together, they're going to score. So they would do these amazing things, but then do something and it wouldn't work. It's like 10 pin bowling. The more strikes you get consecutively, the more score you get. Golf is the same thing. Greg, hey? <laughs> like you can hit the most great drive, but if your approach shot goes over the back out of bounds, well, so what? 
God's asking us to make these good decisions, one after the other. So now you say to me, Gary, thanks for the history lesson. Thank you for part two that really gone nowhere. Thank you for contextualizing what, is, what has happened. Um, Jesus blesses all kinds of people, is the message this morning. But like I said, we don't trust them in that, do we? Why would we not trust Jesus for blessing? Because some of the people we've talked about, you go, of course, man. Of course. Those who are impoverished, those who don't have, hey, of course, Jesus. But how about Jesus blessing your enemies? How about Jesus blessing your ex-husband and ex-wife? How about Jesus blessing your hypocritical Christian boss? How about Jesus blessing those colleagues that spread gossip about you at work? We don't want God to bless them. They are the spiritual nothings. They are the spiritual zeros. They are the spiritual incompetence. And if we're honest, like I say, that mayday, 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 Gary, I think you've overstated this, Gary. The the, the guy who uh, raped four women and, and killed 10 guys, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Gary, you are overstating this. No? Pull up, pull up. Change what you are saying, Gary, because this cannot be. Jesus, you are overstating this. You cannot be saying what you're saying, so let's water it down. Oh, the poor in spirit are oh, 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 those who understand that they are spiritually incompetent without God. No. Those who are not accepted by society. Those who have no right to be in society because of what society has put on them. So let me... Let me say that Jesus is calling us all into a place. And maybe you're one of those people that says, well, I'm far from God. You hear this morning, you're going, I don't hear him, I don't see him. Jesus is saying, come, blessed are you. For those who feel like they've made a mess of their lives and made the bad decisions, Jesus is saying, come, the kingdom of God is for you, blessed are you. See, the world, let me, let me rephrase the beatitude of the world. Close your eyes. Blessed are the rich, the people with money. The well-off, the people that drive cars made in Germany and wear clothes made by people who speak Italian. Blessed are the powerful, the elite, the influential, the CEOs, the celebrities, the politicians, and the people with leverage. Blessed are the people with the right backgrounds, the pedigree, the right schools, the right connections, the smart, the educated, the people with letters after their names. Blessed are the beautiful, the skinny, the healthy, the people with good skin, actors, models, People on the covers of magazines. The popular, the hip, the stylish, the fashion. Those who are aware of what they are wearing. The bloggers. For theirs is the life that everyone is chasing after. They are the ones who get the ever-elusive happiness. They are the ones you wish you could be. Hey, how about that song? If I was you, I'd want to be me. How about me, and this is a John Mark Comer, a guy who leads a church in the States. Both of these are his. Let's, let's look at what it would sound like in our modern-day English, in our modern-day context. Blessed are the billions of people who live on less than 30 rand a day, for they are our future. Blessed are the millions of people who are dying from HIV AIDS as they will experience a proximity to God like no other. 
Blessed are the sick, the suffering, the chemo patients. Those with no hair, for they will encounter God in a special way. God is with the high school dropouts and those who cannot read and write, for they are on top of God's list. Fantastic news for single moms, for foster kids, for the orphans, for the pregnant too many times, my wife Louise, for those pregnant at the wrong time, for God is head over heels in love with you. Blessed are the illegal immigrants, the migrant workers, the gardeners, the domestic workers cleaning up, clean up after the spoiled northern suburb kids. Kids, You are God's hope for the renewal of all things. Salvation for the handicapped, the special needs, the deformed. They are the object of God's affection. Blessings on the ugly, the fat, the odd, the bald, the elderly, the shy, the awkward, the nerds. Those with body odor. Those who have many failures, the felons, the minimum wage workers, the unemployed, the bankrupt, the debt, those who are in debt, the homeless people, because the kingdom of God, the gracious saving presence of God is open to you right here and right now. You see, what I've just read is as shocking and offensive to us, isn't it? It was as shocking and as offensive and as subversive as it was when Jesus was preaching back then. The thing is, is this the gospel? And if you can put up my last slide, I'm saying, no, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning, ladies and gents. Because yes, God has a blessing over whoever, however, whatever. But God's wanting to take us to live this out. Whether you are impoverished financially, whether you are rich financially, whether you have such an emotional IQ, well done, whether you have a challenge to keeping your emotions in check. But God is wanting to take us all on a journey, on different journeys, but with the same, alter- with the same destination. It's not heaven. It's the kingdom. And we can live that out right here and right now. And I know Louise has already spoken to the moms, and I want to bring this down to the moms this morning, is I know that, that motherhood is probably one of the most difficult things. Louise and I found marriage relatively easy. You know, we had our moments, but we kind of kindred spirits and we, we, we see the stuff and we see a lot of stuff very similarly. But when we had kids, wow, I realized how selfish Louise was. <laughs> and how incredibly selfish I was. And so in this process of motherhood, bringing it back there, is I understand and I've seen firsthand at how moms can be unseen. You just, especially, Louise has been through the whole array of motherhood. And especially that one where there's just poo nappies and vomit and bottles and all of those kind of stuff that you just can't see anything else above that. You smell a baby puke the whole time. And yeah, you know, all of that kind of stuff. You're about to, you get dressed up and you think, oh, I look great for the first time after having the baby and the baby pukes all over you and you have to go change. <laughs> or you have someone like Jordan as your son who you, you dress him and then you go and dress your daughter who's um, a little baby and you find him back in the bath and his baby grow and you've got to redress him. I'm just teasing him because he's a teenager at the back and it's lovely for me to be able to do that. But the point is, is that as, as moms, I, I know that how many times Louise has felt totally inadequate totally unseen by what's going down, unappreciated, and maybe not even worthy to be a mom. 
You shouted and screamed at the kids yesterday. You lost it with them. You're not worthy of the kingdom, is what the world would say. Dr. Spock would say, why did you do that? Jesus is saying, no, blessed are you. Blessed are you. 